Craft Beer Radio, episode 73, March 29th, 2007. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio. This is the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry, and I am Jeff Bear. I'm Greg Weiss. We sure are dedicated here, aren't we? Absolutely. Every week we try to get out here and drink some beer because this, it's a hard job that someone's got to do. That's right. This week uh, I put a little brakes on what Jeff's plan to said. I want something hoppy, so we're doing uh, hoppy beers. our hop tour today. Uh, of We're going from Pilsner through a whole flight of We're IPA. doing a single IPA, a double IPA, and a triple IPA. Sounds good. Fun. Let's start off with the Pilsner, though. This is uh, the Sly Fox Pikeland Pilsner, which I'm not sure if we might have done in a pre-show before. And it's in a can. Yep, they have the can. They've been canning a few new beers and putting it in the market. Sly Fox is out of eastern Pennsylvania. Now, this beer, this whole case I bought, has been insanely carbonated. Yeah, look at that. And the head pour is crazy big on this thing. This is the first time I bought a case of beer in cans. It's a, it's a nice package for, for port, transporting beer and carrying beer. The, the, the cases are a different size case than what the big brewers do. Right there, they're kind of like cans are organized in four six packs and and they're in two twelve pack boxes and but it's amazing how light they are with the aluminum and I can definitely see if I'm going to a concert or right. stuff you know these cans are very but advantageous I don't know going to a concert is still an issue because you don't want to drink out of a can well yeah, you drink out of a cup, take some cups. A lot of, like, Star Lake, you, you know, a lot of concert yeah. venues, you can't have glass, so you can't drink out of a glass. So you can't drink out of a plastic cup. You can get a good plastic cup, though. And, and it's certainly better drinking vessel than you can. You don't want any of that metallic taste in there. Yeah. And basically, what you're smelling here is a little bit of hop and uh, a good amount of Pilsner malt. It has a really sweet aroma. Combination of the Pilsner malt, which can kind of, those lagers can kind of be a little bit sweet. But I think the hops in this thing. Okay, it says right here, German and Czech hops. But it smells like a Simcoe or, one, you know, um, one of those really fruity slash floral American hops. So if they're German and Czech, you think Killer Tau, Zots, those kind yeah, of things. Yeah, but they must have used, maybe it's dry hopped to get this kind of aroma in this thing. I don't know, but it's just it's such it's, an engaging aroma. It's a aroma. good aroma, and it's kind of a cloudy straw color for the beer itself. Yeah, the beer is not as clear as a lot of Pilsner. It's not as clear as the Dortmunder we did in the pre-show. It's a, it looks almost like a... Um, hmm. looks almost unfiltered, doesn't it? It does look unfiltered. I was going to say a wheat beer, but it's a little too clear for a wheat beer. It's it's almost like a chill haze type yeah. color, like, like what you see. And we still have a huge head on it. Hmm. It's fruitier. Mm-hmm. Very fruity. Almost kind of has a um, a sweet orange flavor, mm-hmm. um, not sour. Well, oh, then it, there's the bitterness. Okay, uh, so you, you start with with kind of sweet, um, you know, like I said, sweet fruity flavor, orange maybe. Uh, it sure tastes like American hops, though, doesn't it? I have to give it another flavor of that because I don't know. Then I'm getting a little bit of brightness, and then bam, you're hitting with with a lot of a lot of good bitterness right there in the middle of your tongue. Okay, I mean, I swear I've had a bunch of these now, and I just can't believe they're continental hops. It just tastes so American. It tastes like you're getting some grapefruit in there, and it's just not what you're used no, to. No, yeah, you're right because you you expect some of those European hops, which a little bit more grassy, a little bit more earthy. Mm-hmm. These are coming through a lot sweeter. Yeah, I would call the uh, the German Czechoslovakian the continental hops more spicy. That's what Zots typically earthy would be more of an England. Um, but yeah, this thing comes across as fruity and floral, and it's just not what you expect. Especially when you read the back of the cam, find information you can't find on the internet about German and Czech There's hops. There's a bit of that spiciness. I can detect some zots in there. I'm sure there is, but I just can't believe they're getting that much grapefruit and floral just using you know German. And See, I don't detect grapefruit. I mean, grapefruit is... I got a little bit... It came in as a little bit of bitterness and flavor. Uh, it just kind of slid in halfway through the taste, and I'm like... 
Well, that tastes like an IPA type flavor. I mean, grapefruit is almost always Telltale Cascade, right? That's your your primary grapefruit flavor, Hob. There are other ones that give you that flavor, but Cascade is boom, grapefruit all the way. I guess this note sheet's not going to be very useful for us. Probably it was not. the uh, it was the show that we we're going to do. That'll be the next show. So we're winging it tonight, and I guess the style guide's like the Baltic Porter. <laughs> oh, now you gave away with the next show. It's yeah, it's be. a little bit of teaser. Let's go to... Um, well, you know, we have this article that, that came across uh, oh. from Men's Health, 32 Things You Can Do With Beer, which is really about five things you can do with beer and uh, 27 ways you can waste beer. <laughs> or, or any common <laughs> yeah. household liquid. Right. Uh, among the things they suggest is bathe in it, put out a fire. Now, why do they say bathing in it? Instead of slipping, sipping a beer, bathe in it. Pour a German bade beer... Into a tub and lie back. It doesn't even say what it does for you. Yeah. Loosen rusty bolts. I mean, there are some things that, yeah, you could use it for. Like, for instance, here's a beer barbecue sauce. We can get some flavor out of it. Steam clams uh, or mussels. Steam clams or mussels. I've used that before. Pass a kidney stone. I guess if you <laughs> really need to. It is a diuretic. Bake beer bread. Trick a cheap landlord. <laughs> All right. That's enough time on that. Yeah. You just Google for 32 things you can do on beer if you it's, really want to find 27 ways to waste it beer. It's lame. It's from Men's Health Magazine. You know, we had we also got uh, a good amount of emails here. One from Banana Guard asking, or talking about heavyweight. Word on the street is they're moving to Nyack, or, or not heavyweight, but Tom from heavyweight is moving to Nyack, New York. Yep, he they haven't announced the new... Um, name of the brewery yet but here is the write-up from the beer yard tom baker and peggy zerver zwerver sorry late of heavyweight brewing companies expected to resurface in nyack new york later this year they found a location are working on a lease he uh, isn't going to announce the name of his new endeavor until um licenses are filed and lease papers are signed and all that fun stuff he ex- he's gonna have a bar that where he brews some beer and has guest beers on tap and I'm sure it's going to be like the who's who of craft beer that he's going to have on tap. And I can only imagine that Tom is going to be brewing, like, good with the brew pub atmosphere. He doesn't have to get label approval. It's going to be, like, almost always a one-off, I'm sure, you know. Whereas when he was doing Heavyweight Brewing Company, he got kind of stuck with, you know, okay, I got these labels. New labels cost more money. I have to make the same beer. Right. And he got kind of tired of making the same beer every day. But I could imagine Tom Baker running a brew pub. Would be he's a real kind of auteur. He's he's yeah into the the craft of making beer, but he's not so much into the idea of making the same stuff over and over and over again. He just wants to keep experimenting. Yeah, he, he he's just talking with him. He's such an inspirational guy. And uh, once we get a little bit closer to the opening, I'm going to get him on a phone interview, and we'll be talking with Tom. Sweet. Dan Walker emailed us and had an interesting take on our Oldale show. He uh, he just listened to the show, and um, he uh, wanted to bring something up. Infected Oldales we had. Maybe they weren't infected. Maybe they were meant to be sour. Ray Daniels, Designing Great Beers, has a whole chapter on the history of brewing of Oldales, and it seems that historically Oldales were sour and were frequently displayed Brett characteristics. Oldales were almost always interchangeable with stock ales, which I believe... You've tasted referred to. I believe one of the beers you tasted referred to itself as a stock ale. Stock ales apparently stock ales are also sour and intended to be used by used as a blending beer. Apparently, like by, um, blending beer, like uh, what was that German one we had the the, sure. the sour one that tastes like cat piss. Oh, the um, the Berliner Weiss. Berliner Weiss, right? I think more so blending beer as um, for lab beers. How port, no, more so about it, you know, how porters came around. They brewed an old beer with a new beer, the three threads type thing. Oh, okay. I think that's more so what he'd be talking about, especially with old ales being of English heritage and porters being the same. By the way, they don't actually taste like cat piss. That was what a listener said. Cow. <laughs> cow. That was cat. No, it was cow. Well, whatever. Is there a real difference? I think so. They eat different <laughs> food. They have different diets completely. <laughs> Let's talk about the finer points of this in the post show. Okay, now... Dan, you have a good point, uh, but one of the things we did on, on the show was we checked the the, the reviews the reviews to see if there was anybody who pointed out sourness, to see if that was something that is indicative of the style or indicative of the beer. And I don't think that either of the ones that we thought were sour, they had people reviewing and saying it was sour. Yeah, with our cursory check, we didn't see that. 
And we mentioned that, you know, if people got a sour yeah. beer and it wasn't intended, they wouldn't review it because it was off. Um, that's kind of why we And these thought, beers were pretty off. Yeah, that's kind of why we thought that, you know, sour. Yeah, and, and it, it wasn't just that they were sour. There were, there were flavors in there that really weren't, didn't go with the rest of the beer. Not that old ales can't be sour, I guess. According to this definition, they can. I don't think these beers were designed to be sour. Now, here's a question for you, Greg. Going back to the Pikeland Pills that we're drinking. We know people who, who don't like don't like lagers because they have that lager taste. Right. Do you think this would be a good lager gateway? He, I think Pilsers are always a good lager gateway for people who are hoppy in the hoppy beers and don't like, uh, you know, they're, they're used to macro lagers. Right, but I think this one's less lagery than a lot of, like Prima Pils. I think it's a lot less lagery than that because it's so fruity. And I'm just wondering what you think. I think that it's weird because you call them a lager gateway, but are they really? I mean, someone who likes a Pilsner, they're not going to jump to to Oktoberfests. It's we both went through stages though where we tried a bunch of different lagers and they had that taste we didn't care for, right? And it took us a while, and we never really were able to quantify it. At one point, we thought it was um, not fresh noble hops. Uh, I'm not sure what it really was, but you know, I can drink a lot of lager style beers now, and it doesn't bother me. I had one for dinner tonight, which had a bit of that taste at the brew pub. I mean, this one is just one of the fruitiest yeah. lagers, and it's the flavor almost comes across as a mix between an IPA and um, maybe a wheat beer. Kind of getting, I don't say wheat beer because it's maybe it's it's the, not it's not wheat maybe it's the subconscious color, but it has kind of a body that you a little bit of an effervescence that's associated. Now, I mean, I mentioned this before on the show. It's good to bring it up. I really do think that lager appreciation comes. Uh, both at the very beginning of your beer appreciation and the very end of your beer appreciation. Because mm-hmm. it really, I mean, the very first thing you taste normally are going to be lagers. So some sort of cheap macro lager is probably the very first beer most of us have had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get into other stuff, you start to realize that there's other beers out there. You're jumping at flavorful stuff. You're jumping at stuff that's going to you know wow your tongue. Mm-hmm. It takes you a while to go from there into really jumping out and saying, okay, Maybe I can appreciate a beer that doesn't try to that doesn't go for flavor as much as it goes for really drinkability and as much as it goes for the crispness of it. Not to say that all lagers are like that, but I really do think that there's there's a point in every beer drinker's evolution where they start to branch out and go back to the lager style as just I wouldn't say everyone. There's a lot of people that are Top heads and ale, ales through and through. Maybe, maybe not everyone, but I think that I really do think that as a, a beer tongue grows, and if you just let your beer tongue grow, your appreciation is going to go towards. It's going to go towards hoppy beers, then high alcohol beers, then you're going to go backwards, and you're going to say, "All right, I've had this," and you're going to say, "Okay, let me try some different. Let me try some of the sour beers, and let me try some of these uh, low alcohol beers with a lot of Christmas. Let's see mm-hmm. what's there." I sure. I think that's that's a general path. I don't know where everyone follows that same path. I mean, because I, I, I mean, for an example, the reason why I asked the question was there was a lager gateway beer for me. The first lager that I had that didn't have that lager taste that I enjoyed was Great Lakes Elliot Ness, a Vienna lager, and it just it tasted had the sweetness. It had it didn't have that tinny, sandpapery bite at the end. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, and that one, from there, I tried other ones. I'm like, okay, I like Vienna Lagers. Oh, look, Sam Adams Boston Lagers of Vienna Lager. Let me try that. I'm like, well, it has a little bit of that. And then I got used to it, and I think it's a good Vienna Lager now. And from there, that's that's basically how I branched out, got the beachhead in the Vienna Lagers at Great Lakes, and then branched out from there for Lagers. I mean, and of course, way. things like Doppelbox are completely different. I probably, if I would have had a Doppelbox, a good Doppelbox earlier, I probably would have maybe you said that's my gateway. But it's it's not really indicative of a lager style. I also when you're it, talking about, I don't want to leave it off there because people yeah. are like, yeah, it's a lager style. I want to finish it up by saying it's not the mainstream light, crisp lagers that you know, like Bob Value. You know, our, our friend Bob, he doesn't like lagers. Well, he probably will, if he had a celebrator, he'd probably like it. Yeah. So I, I think that if there's, I mean, with lagers, like I said, there was one specific taste we could detect, and we both could detect it. We couldn't. Mm-hmm. We weren't very good at 
emphasize exactly what that taste was. But if there's one flavor there that you, that's spread across the entire genre, I think that it's possible to get over it just with anything else. A good example for me is olives. I hated olives when I was a kid, and now I love them. There was, just, there was a flavor that it took me a while to get over it. It really took me years, mm-hmm. you know, 15, 20 years to get over that flavor, but once I did, I started appreciating. Jeff gave me a little I, I, uh, look. He doesn't like sal- that salty olive salty, flavor. Salty, flavor. Yeah, yeah, no good for me. You know, there's you know, I I try everything, but two flavors I really do not like are olives and tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, not to not tomatoes. Not, my favorite fruit. My favorite fruit by far is tomatoes. Hmm. Oh well. Let's do a little bit more content before we open up the next beer. What do you say? If you say so. There are other really good fruits out there, too, but (laughs) I just love tomatoes. It's so versatile. We had a couple comments on the Beer Advocate stuff that we were talking about before. Uh, Patrick had a couple comments about it. He says he thinks Jeff... uh, I think Jeff somewhat off the cuff proposed. (laughs) Oh, okay. It says, I think Jeff, somewhat off the cuff, proposed the most credible way to utilize a site such as Beer Advocate and its rating system. BA is not a Bible, it is a guide, and like any system, it is flawed. Most notably, ranking various beer styles against one another in the top anything list is roundly absurd. Beyond the basic ingredients of yeast, malt, water, and hops in India Pale Ale, Beyond the basic ingredients of yeast, malt, water, and hops, an India Pale Ale has nothing in common in terms of brewing results with a dry Irish stout, or Russian Imperial stout for that matter. Comparing a truly well-made lager or culture with a hugely hopped Northwestern pale ale is like trying to call chicken a porterhouse steak. Uh, they simply are not comparable other than in a very broad sense that they are all beer, like chicken and beef or meat. Advocates should be used just as Jeff described his looking into Ted Fitty. You need to find what appears to be credible resources on Advocate that have truly reviewed beers. So he's, he's saying, look for people who you trust. See what they say. Try to find the people who you think are good. He says, I would encourage Greg to not avoid rating beers on Advocate simply because by not doing so, he is missing a golden opportunity to create a credible resource on beers he enjoys that tend not to get proper reviews simply because they do not carry the name Double or Imperial next to them. Well, Patrick, um, that's what this show's for, really, to me. <laughs> it's easier to talk yeah, than write. It's much easier to talk about the show than they did the, 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 the Beer Advocate. I just I, I, I see what you're saying. I think you have some good points. I agree with you that comparing a lager to a Kolsch is you know, it, it's just a hard thing to do, and you can't really rank them in the same way, which is why we've tried not to include them on the same show. Mm-hmm. I I just I really feel like if I. If I'm lost in the crowd, if I'm lost in the cacophony in Beer Advocate, then there's no point. I can rank, you know, I said before on the, on the pre-show, Dortmund or Gold for Great Lakes is one of my favorite, one of my top five beers. Okay. And it's Dortmund or Dortmund or Lager, something that, if you asked a bunch of people in Beer Advocate what their top five beers were, you know, you get a Russian Imperial Stout, you get a, a, a Quadruple, you get a Double IPA, another Double IPA, and... Uh, something who something coffee or something ridiculously high alcohol whereas for me Dortmund or Gold is such such a perfectly drinkable perfectly made beer that it's it's way up there on my list I wish that more people would rank that way more people don't there's no way I'll be able to change Beer Advocate just by my voice alone that's Mm -hmm. what the show is the outlet for sure you know, you can do the whole argument of why even vote in the elections then, because you just want to vote, but I won't go there. Um, yeah, you could make that point. And it's a point that that is not a terrible point if you've really thought about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Particularly let's say let's say you're a Democrat who votes in a in a state that's always red. Or right. the other way around, let's say you're a Republican who votes in a state that's always blue. Right. Is your vote really going to matter presidential-wise? Absolutely not. If you're voting in Maryland, you're voting for a Republican candidate. <laughs> right. You're, you're never going to be heard. If you're voting in Texas for a Democratic candidate, good luck to you, man. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know you have, that, you have all those local ones, too, to vote for. Those right. you have more of a voice. Yeah, I mean, or voting independent, right? Voting for the libertarian candidate or whatever. If it's only one vote, why should I waste my time? Well, you know, you. I mean, you could take that the same thing about promoting a Dortmunder on your advocate. 
I do think that people, I mean, in general, people are not looking at your advocate to see how this Dortmund directs against another Dortmund. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Probably right. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. So we just opened up the Avery India Pale Ale from Avery Brewing Company out of Colorado, Boulder, Colorado. And uh, DP sent us this beer. Thank you very much. Thanks, DP. Ooh. I like the smell of that. So this beer came to us from Colorado via Georgia. So little stuff. I actually, you know, I kind of got over my cold. Now I'm getting allergies. So. Okay. See, I haven't caught any spring allergies yet, so I'm pretty happy. But I definitely smell a lot of sweet, um, you know, malty hoppiness. In here. Yeah. The uh, the aroma for me is bready, sweet. The hoppiness is there, but it's not. Oh, it's definitely there. Standing definitely... out front. I mean, to me, the dominant aroma. And maybe just because I'm expecting to smell an IPA and the hops aren't over-dominant. But to me, the aroma that's really catching my attention is the malt in this one. Now, the flavor is completely different. Flavor, taste, West Coast IPA. Craig's looking at his glass like it's purple. It's weird. Yeah, that's not what I expected out of the from the aroma. Mm-hmm. I expected something oh, a lot fuller in um mouthfeel i just i kind of expected something thick and okay yeah i can see how from the aroma the mouthfeel does feel lighter because it smells so moldy you think there's gonna be some big chewiness in there the um not that this is like especially aqueous or anything but it's just it's 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 not what i expected from the aroma the aroma is is double ipa aroma and it's single ipa Mm -hmm. beer um it doesn't have a lot of carbonation in it so the hops in this I'm tasting are tons of um, cascade, cascade, fruity, sweet, and the uh, there's still some malt in the flavor to back it up. I think there may be continental in here, but I'm not sure. I, I smelled continental, but centennial, centennial, right? Centennial. Why is it? You keep saying con- I used continental earlier when I was talking about European, yeah, continental hops. Yeah, centennial. I think are are, are in here. That seventy three shows I can start to pick out different hops. Well, and even if you can, it's a pretty easy, uh, pretty safe guess. Oh, Centennial. <laughs> <laughs> so I just saw that post on Beer Advocate yesterday. It was It's three weeks old. But a guy sent a post saying, I hate the term beer geek. Right. You know, what about us who were just like drinking beer, sitting back, you know, hanging out and having a beer? And then he closes off his note with saying, now, Jeff and Greg... Those guys are geeks. <laughs> well, you're not going to put on a show about beer, you know, a podcast about beer, and do 73 episodes unless you're a geek. And you know, I, I, I was, I was like, when I first read it, I didn't click that. You know, wait, was he talking about me? <laughs> me? And I was like, I was flattered. I'm like, wow, I'm the poster boy for mega beer geeks, and I'm being referred to by my first name only. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was just like. Actually, I posted a reply to that, and yeah. and I'm um, like, I said just what I just said. I'm like, I have arrived. <laughs> we forget that we do have listeners. <laughs> yeah. It's just funny because it was like out of context. I mean, most beer advocates don't listen to the show. Right. A lot of them do, but most of them don't. And no context here, just saying, yeah, Jeff and Greg, those guys are geeks. I just, it was pretty cool. <laughs> There's a lot of sweetness in this beer, a lot of sweet mm-hmm. maltiness. It kind of uh, mitigates that ending bitterness. Yeah, so I drink more of it. I'm getting kind of used to the hops, and I'm tasting more malt now. This is decent. I mean, it, it, it surprised me by the difference between the aroma and the and the flavor. And mm-hmm. that that's a negative. I always think that the closer your aroma and your flavor, the better the beer. But... These are both. It's both a good aroma and a good flavor. So right. it's just it's it's interesting that it's new. yeah. The the more malty aroma is kind of misleading when you take a sip because it's significantly hoppy in the yeah. flavor and nice sweet maltness to this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good. It's 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 a nice drink. I mean, one thing I like about regular IPAs is you know they're not uh, they're not like real sippers like a double IPA. Uh-huh. You can drink this water. one's a little it's a little bitter at the end. Maybe I'm starting to get a little puckered up. So I wouldn't necessarily call this one drinkable because, I mean, it's good, but I think a whole pint, by the end, you're going to be pretty puckered up. I'm starting to get puckered up right now, and I'm yeah. only had a quarter of the you know, bottle. You're right. You're right. Okay. Here's something we haven't done in a while. Food. Tough one, because you don't want to say the obvious. You don't want to say, oh, barbecue chicken. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, but the sweetness in this definitely goes with some kind of barbecue sauce. It I goes, mean, yeah, something. I mean, barbecue sauce is going to go with stuff that's sweet. It's mm-hmm. it's always going to be, you know, that's why, you, you know, Coke and, and barbecue sauce. Goes I was so thinking more ribs, but, you know, that, that's funny how we were both thinking barbecue. You know, when you said obvious, I'm like, is he going to say Indian food? I wasn't sure what you were going to say with obvious. And then when you said barbecue, I'm like, oh, I guess it was obvious. I was thinking it as well. Yeah. Uh, but going into, I mean, I don't know if Indian food would really go great with this because I think that's more that's more double IPA Indian food. I think. Yeah, uh, the, the 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 maltiness in this is really what makes it not pair with a lot of other IPA type foods. I think. Go with chili. You know, what we haven't done in a couple weeks. What's that? Well, a little thing called what beer am I? Yeah, well, we weren't on last week, so... Right. Okay, last week's what beer am I was different since we didn't have any clues. I asked the question, what beers were you looking forward to this spring and summer? And we got a bunch of feedback, yeah. and some people listed like 20 beers. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see if we can uh, cut down on them. All right, so Tom Sold said uh, Trogue's Dreamweaver, Trogue's Sunshine Pills, uh, Southern, Teal Pale, Southern Tier Pale Ale. Somebody knows Shoals Pale Ale. And I um, was curious if we knew anything, if they were going to be able to get um, Elf, uh, Three Floyd's beers out in New Jersey again. And I don't know much about what Three Floyd's is doing. I'm surprised it ever made it to New Jersey, but yeah. good for you. Yeah, speaking of that, I don't know if we get Anderson Valley here anymore. I can check with Tony, but I don't know. My my beer here has got they do Anderson Valley's for a long time. Hmm. Uh, let's see. He, he says he he misses his gumball head. Brian Clouser, oh, dude, I can see you missing your gumball head. <laughs> God, that's a great beer. Brian Clouser is looking forward to Dogfish Head's Black and Blue, Belgium's New Belgium Skinny Dip. Bob Diefenbacher, Dogfish Head's Apper Hop, Anderson Valley's Summer Ale. There we go, Anderson Valley. Uh, Flying Dogs in Heat. Wait, we can get that around here. That's good. Yep, that's a good heffy. And Stone's <laughs> 11th anniversary. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> yeah, you know. To each their own. Uh, Jamie Barlow. Chogue's Nugget Nectar, which we talked about on the pre-show. Feels that the world is turning into the Empire Strikes Back with all the freaking Imperial beers and have appeared over the last couple of years. But this one stuck, struck a chord with them. Bad he part. also mentions uh, Three Floyd's Gumball Head. So does Matt Martin. He mentions that along with Dog Machine's Apper Hop. Sierra Nevada's Summerfest, New Glarus Bavarian Vice. Gotta check that out. <laughs> yeah. Too bad we can't get it. Uh, Capital Fest, what's that? Uh, I'm not sure where Capital's from. Yeah, look at that one. David Gorgos, right in, the winner of last week's What Beer Am I? And uh, Rock Art Vermonster, Brooklyn Local Number One. Now that's something we need to get in. That's um, one of those um, 750s that. Uh, Brooklyn's going to be brewing. Oh, cool. And uh, Raison Dextra De- uh, from Dogfish Head is something he's looking at. Never had it, but he loves the De- Raison Dextra. Well, it's just double the Raison Dextra. I mean, if you love the Raison Dextra, you'll probably like the Raison Dextra. Yep. Eric Quartz said a whole bunch of seasonal beers for him. Summit Scandia, which is a Belgian wit you can only get on tap. Okay. Uh, Jeremy Nichols, looking forward to Oberon from Bells, and Lucinerga. From Jolly Pumpkin. Lucinerga. Lucinaga. Lucinaga. Tough one to pronounce. Randy Farmer was talking about the uh, Terrapin Spring uh, Rye Squared, which is a double version of the Rye Pale Ale from Terrapin Brewing Company. Darren Collins also chimes in with Bells Oberon. And he talks about how Franz's Connor is a springtime beer that he looks forward to, even though it's available all year round. It really hits his palate in the spring. I can see that. Kurt Wallinger says Hacker Shore Hefeweizen uh, or other German Hefeweizens like Franz's Connor. Christopher Devlin says on the seasonal front he is looking for Elysian Brewing's Avatar Jasmine IPA. An IPA with Jasmine should be interesting. Big Time's Old Soul. It's their summer. I thought Old Soul was a wheat wine. He says summer barley wine here. And the the Baron's Hellesbach, which uh, he has a bomber in the fridge right now. Hellesbach. Very nice. Cool. Well, okay. So we said we'd, we'd be doing two this time, right? And, uh, yeah, we said we'd do two. So uh, let me pull up the number generator here. 
Our winners are Brian Clouser and David Gorgos again. <laughs> back to back winner. Wow. You're a blacklisted now. No more glasses for you. You but congr- time on our on our plaque. Yep. Congratulations for uh for being lucky and uh getting a pint glass from East End Brewing Company. Buy a good friend a good beer. We're gonna have Scott on the show soon to do um American hopped triples. Nice. Yeah, we're gonna be doing his uh, ugly American along with uh Oblong Shoof and Uthro Hoppets. So he may uh, he may be biased towards his ugly American. He hasn't had the other one too, at least not in a long time. So he's pretty interested to see how they stack up side by side. Our next beer is a double IPA from oh I love this guys, Hair the Dog, Hair the Dog Brewing Company in Portland, Oregon. This is Blue Dot Double IPA. This was seven percent alcohol, I believe. Wow, it's only seven. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> for a double IPA. It looks like it's in a 22-ounce bomber. It also has a lot of carbonation. A lot of carbonation. Yep. But it's a pillowy kind of carbonation. This beer was uh, probably sent to us by Gary. Uh, I don't have the email saying... so. Someone sent it without identifying it. But if it wasn't Gary, email us and we'll give you your props. So, still poured with a huge head here. And... Um, it's one of those ones where you're trying to pull the aroma out through the head. Interesting thing about the label here. It's silk screen. It says, Blue Dot is named for after our planet. We are only a pale blue dot in this universe. Lower down it says, Make every day Earth Day and do something nice for your mother. Interesting. Hippie <laughs> beer. I, I think that do something nice for your mother was kind of a sort of <laughs> ironic gesture to be like, you know, let, let's not go super hippie on you. Okay. Oh yeah, I, it's hard to detect a lot of aroma here. There's a good amount of um, hop aroma coming through, but uh, it's such a massive head, it's hard to say. You know, in news, there's something interesting. The very last news story, or the is it the last one? The second to last news story, which has to do with the, uh, a subject near and dear to my heart and your heart as well. There's. An industry divided on a proposal to sell brewed beverage in convenience stores. That would be beer in convenience stores in Pennsylvania. Okay. This is to remove the case law and allow people to sell six-packs in grocery stores. Now, of course, the industry that's built up around beer does not want that to happen. They're coming up with various reasons why not. But at least there is something to hope here. The very end, it says... Now, I don't know how this got in here, because this is the very last line, and it's not associated with a quote, although it may be a quote from this guy, uh, Glenn Miller of Glenn Miller's Beer and Soda. The state should allow existing beer stores to expand their varieties, including selling by the half case. Now, if that's true, that's a good step in the right direction. At the very least, allowing beer distributors to sell... If you can't sell beer in grocery stores, at least allow them to sell by the half case or by the six-pack. You know, I, I don't think it should be really legislated that you know grocery stores can't sell beer but grocery stores selling beer and 7-eleven selling beer does very little for me myself right because the beers they have are most of the time they're not gonna be anything that i want to get i would love to see the beer distributors being able to sell six packs absolutely that would be because they carry the selection you want you don't have to buy a case of it that, that's what i'd like to see happen and, uh, and I don't, you know, and I'm also worried that if um, grocery stores and convenience stores have beer, then you're going to see a bunch of beer distributors close, the guys that have good beer. So I don't think it should be legislated that people can't sell beer, but it could be bad for the craft beer availability if Giant Eagle starts selling. This is very spicy, this beer. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. It's not particularly hoppy, like you think of a devil right. IPA would be. Now, it's made with a rye malt, so that that's giving it a little bit of a... Oh, really? Of okay. a rye taste to it, which is... It's interesting. It's an interesting way to to, to, to put an IPA, put this, this hoppiness into a very pronounced uh, malt, which is rye malt. I mean, okay. Rye malt is very overbearing on a lot of stuff, so that's the thing where we get kind of an umbrella of rye. Uh, mix in with these hops. That explains what I'm tasting now. I didn't realize there was rye in it. Where'd you see that? Right on the side. Okay. 
Yeah, no, now that my tongue's making more sense, I can taste the rye in there, I know what it is, and I can see how the hops are interacting with the rye. It's a double rye PA. Yeah, it's it's pretty bitter still. I'm starting to pucker again. I don't know if it's... Uh, oh, we got sidetracked. We have clues for next week's What Beer Am I? Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, this week's clues are from intern Scott again, and the first clue is, part of my name is a number. I am not a specific style of beer. I was made to commemorate a special event. I was brewed only once. I was made by the same person who brewed my brewery's first beer 18 years ago. Oh. So if you know a if you uh, know what beer this is, send your guesses to WBAI at craftbeerradio.com. To tough one. And you could, too, win a East End brewing pint glass like the one Greg's drinking out of right now. Buy a good friend a good beer. So you wanted hops tonight, Greg. How's this show suiting you? Just give me what I wanted. So I can't complain, can I? If I were to complain, it'd be very, uh, very selfish of me, wouldn't it? <laughs> right. When I was uh, prepping the show, you know, like oh, I wasn't really so much in the mood for Imperial Porter, Baltic Porters. I was like thinking, you know, wheat beer would be nice today. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to get the the porters. I want to get through those before because in a month we're not going to want to do it till November. So I wanted to get them done. Well, we can do it. I mean, we still have a month, like you said. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... So Mel Gibson wants to put a stop to Braveheart beer, you say? Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those silly stories. He's uh, He has succeeded in banning a beer from a small Danish brewery because it was called Braveheart. The same name as 1995 Oscar-winning movie, where he gets tortured yet again. The Hollywood star was angry. The beer from Mid-Tiffin's Bregis was called Braveheart and even threatened to sue for the brewery's use of the name. But the 17-year-old owner of the brewery, 72-year-old owner of the brewery, Keld Anderson, who initially refused to give in to pressure from Gibson and only backed down after consulting with the Danish Patent and Trademark Council. Uh, he claimed Anderson claimed the filmmaker couldn't possibly copyright the name, as a Romanian king from the 15th century was called Braveheart, and a silent film from the 1920s was titled Braveheart. Because I was certain I had a good case against those big guys in Hollywood, but evidently, it wasn't enough. Gibson got his way, and the brewer admits defeat. There's nothing we can do, so we'll stop making the Braveheart beer. Just change the name. Well, my question is, and of course the story doesn't cover it, is what kind of beer was it? I'm sure. Any good? I'm sure it was... Well, I'm not sure, actually. Denmark. I'm not sure at all that it was some cheapo, you know, dumb lager. But you're not going to – if you're not going to sell the beer anymore, you, you know, if you're not going to change the name and just sell it or something else, then it's probably some one-off kind of attempt to cash in on the name anyway. So I don't know. He could have been misquoted. I was recently misquoted, so. Well, they call this a daily show. Well, that and – he, the the quote was how I was talking about how hoppy the 120 minute IPA was. I wasn't talking about the hoppiness of the 120 because I don't think the 120 is that hoppy. I was talking about the alcohol in the 120. No, so he misquoted me pretty badly. Oh well. John Toman writes in, "Hey guys, started listening to you about a month ago. Thanks to Jeffrey T mentioning you. So thank Thanks, you, Jeffrey, Jeffrey T from the Good Beer Show. There's a plug. Jeffrey T sent us a four pack of breakfast out." So thank you, Jeffrey T. Meyer. I'm a happy guy. Goodbeershow.com. He he goes on to talk about the beer advocate rankings as well, and he has a story here. He bought a couple bottles of Kentucky Breakfast from the other beer from Founders, the Oak right. Age Breakfast out. Oh, man. And uh, he knew it was highly rated, but he couldn't bring himself to check the ratings. I would rather come to my own conclusion about taste and texture than mimic someone else's opinion. Right. And and that is what you need to do. It, well, yes and no, because, I mean, people listen to our show to kind of get an idea of uh, what's out there, too. So I don't want to say don't listen to what other people say. I, I just think that you can get we have a lot more. Get some clarity on what you're tasting by, look, by looking at what other people say. You don't have to necessarily agree with what everybody says. Yeah, I mean, if you want to compare us to the score on Beer Advocate, you know, we qualify what we're tasting. We describe why it's good, why it's well, not. Well, some of the guys at Beer Advocate, I mean, they have to. But the top 10, do you read the first 50 reviews or do you just look at the score? Right. So. Maybe you know people know what they're getting into. Well, I mean, a, a lot more. of the stuff is like, "Oh, this was malty and delicious. It was so great, I could drink a hundred of these." And that's what people write. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, well, that doesn't help me at all. Right. And then people say, "You know, I tasted hints of chocolate, I tasted hints of caramel, right. and 
So, John, you can listen to us. Kentucky Breakfast. Well, Greg likes the regular breakfast better. but I don't, I, dis- I don't dislike Kentucky well, Breakfast. I love the Kentucky, and uh, you won't be disappointed. He also says, interesting, on a Dan Shelton interview, because uh, most, most of the people who wrote us said they didn't like the Dan Shelton interview. They didn't like Dan Shelton. But he says he came away with a bad taste in his mouth about beer advocate. Because he finds it a little silly they complain about any beer importer. They make it easier for all of us to enjoy the good stuff. I was reading the Beer Advocate magazine just yesterday, and um, this was one from last month. And there was an article in there about Shelton Brothers and about their lawsuits with Bad Elf and Very Bad Elf. So if Todd and Jason have a problem with Dan, at least they're not blacklisting him from you know magazine content. So, you know, they may have bad-mouthed him before, but they ran him in his magazine. So, I mean... Right. Yeah, let's get some respect for them for that. Absolutely. Oh, here's a good one. Don uh, said he was Don. Excuse me. Here's a good one. Don sent an email about what we talked about before with the Coors Brewery in Keystone. So now 15 years ago, he was taking a tour of the Coors Brewery. On the canning line, there were two rows of cans running parallel. One was Coors Light, the other was Keystone Light. Looked like it was coming from the same location. I asked the tour guide if it was the same beer. She said it was not, but would not give any details. At that time, Keystone had no commercials, and even now, Keystone has so few commercials by Coors Standard, and, and it's much less costly to make. So he suspects it's the same beer without the ad costs included. I, I see no reason why that can't be the case. I think if it was the same beer, I think some Coors Light lover would have figured it out, and there'd be all this underground hubbub and stuff about, you know, buy Keystone. It's the same thing as Coors, but half the price, you know. I got to think There'd that's be a the, lot more rumor about that because someone would have compared it. Jeff, that's silly. People who drink Coors Light are not going to, to try out Keystone and say, wow, these taste the same. How can, no, you, how can the, you compare them? No, there's people out there who drink solely on price. Cheapest beer. I don't think that I, – I just don't think anybody has ever even tried or even bothered – I disagree with you. Someone out there, if it was the same beer, someone out there would be publicizing it right now. There'd be something you'd find saying. Well, Don is. <laughs> Don hasn't <laughs> tasted them and hasn't. He's not the 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 Coors Light connoisseur. So, you know what the you're Coors making me Light want. You know what you're making me want to do now. I think it's worth a shot. You want to compare those beers? I do. Okay. Who knows? Also, it could be maybe 15 years ago it was a different story than it is now. It could be. I just think if they were the same recipe, same beer, even if they were very, very similar, you would hear people talking about how they're the same beer, and you could save money buying Keystone. I mean, I can't imagine that the taste difference between Keystone and Coors Light is that much different than people even be able to notice. Well, you know, that's a different story completely. (laughs) And I'm curious if I can notice the difference. You remember how we did... That's why we have to do... I think we'll have to do that one blind, actually. Yeah, exactly, because you remember how we talked about how... Uh, label affects the way you interpret a beer. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. All right, next. next. Last. Uh, we're getting up to the triple IPA. Single, double, triple. This is Weyerbacher's 11. Weyerbacher is a very interesting case, as we talked about before, because we, we mentioned it just last week, actually. Two weeks ago. No. Well, however you, however you want to you describe it. Weyerbacher we didn't like and now we love. And they chain they reformulated their beers and from what we can tell they're all really good now. Yep. So this is their eleventh anniversary. It is a eleven point seven percent alcohol by volume. They call it a triple India pale ale. I think this beer is nearly a year old as well, so we'll see how the hop aroman flavor carries through. Eleven, the second in our anniversary series is a tribute to hopheads. Everywhere hops clearly dominate this beer. And enough malt along with the ride to keep them somewhat in check. Well, I've lost my ability to smell. It smells um like a triple IPA. Okay. That doesn't help it, it, there's um there's some hops there, but it is so alcoholic, so malty. That's mostly what I'm smelling. It seems reminiscent to the aroma I remember from Devil Dancer from Founders. All right, I can sort of detect it now after I blew my nose a little bit. It's an interesting aroma. It's it's almost a bit of barley wine, but not quite as malty, you know. But there's that. It's just from like close my eyes, take a whiff. I'm thinking 
you know, really close to barley wine, which is 11%. This thing might taste very malty as well. I'm tasting smoke. I'm tasting a lot of bitterness. A lot of bitterness. Okay. And... Tastes smoked. I mean, like, not just a hint, but really smoked to me. I think that's just bitterness fooling with you. Getting a lot of, like, sticky bitterness on the tongue. And it's just kind of, it's spreading out kind of like a... It also has... You know how it's spreading? You ever see the... the the previews for Spider-Man Three. Yeah, how I saw like, them last night. There's a little black thing that kind of spreads on the web. That's how this is sort of spreading tongue. on my tongue. Interesting. No, I'm I, like I swear I tasted smoke first two sips. Now the third sip, and again it's it's kind of maybe it's kind of the same flavor, not necessarily smoke, but I don't think this beer's okay aged at all. But let's see if we can find out because now I'm thinking it ta- has like a mouthfeel similar to like bourbon. Doesn't taste as alcoholic as bourbon, but I had this mouthfeel that tasted like oak flavor, char. Um, get anything like that? What I'm trying to describe? I'm detecting. I mean, I'm, I'm tasting a little bit, but I'm not sure if, if that's what's. I mean, you know, okay. From a flavor perspective, I think those flavors are there, but I don't think that's what is indicative of what's going on with the ball. So okay. you're right that yeah, I mean, those that's what you're tasting, but. That's that, these are not smoke malts to me. I mean, I think that that's kind of being caused by a combination of an extreme amount of hoppiness and a heck of a lot of malt interacting with each other. This beer was released in July, two thousand six. Yes. Well, it wouldn't be July two thousand seven. That'd be <laughs> got beers from the be future. Crazy. If you can send us any beers from the future, please do. It's interesting. Being what nine months old or so, the hops aren't. Crazy, right. not everywhere, but you can. It's still a, you can, it's still an IPA. It's definitely a, definitely a strong double IPA. You know, triple is what a strong double IPA, right? I mean, it's really much yeah. not much different from a double, a strong double to a triple. I think it's it, it's just too strong for my blood. It, it's without being superbly complex like a like a quadruple or an old ale. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's a lot of bitterness. It's a lot of malt mixed together Weyerbacher I love your new stuff this one just isn't really doing it for me it, it, yeah it's interesting it's not something I'm like it's not something I want to savor it's not inviting another sip back in type thing or this is kind of beer do you remember when we uh, had Decadence their 10th anniversary beer from Weyerbacher yeah we were at my townhouse old pl- you know back at the old place we really liked and it First, well first couple sips we weren't too sure remember no. Yeah, the first couple, <laughs> frankly, first couple sips, we weren't sure about it, and then when we realized where it fit in to be this brand, you know, this snifter sipper, take an hour to drink the beer, then we liked it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, but right, the right. first couple sips, we weren't really sure about it. But I don't know if this and, um, fits under that quality because I'm well, trying to do a little sipping in that. Well, crazy hoppy beers aren't as savory, true, and, and inviting. Especially when the bitterness is up here like this. I mean, I've had some hoppy beers like Pliny the Elder, which has just been pretty inviting because the hops are just amazing in it. But if they're not done perfectly, then they're not too that inviting. I would say for for the flavors that we're getting, the 11% alcohol is quite a penalty on this beer. Yeah. You're going to get blitzed, and it's not... It's not something that's like worth it, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 not it's not hitting you with you know incredibly great flavors like an old ale or a quad. It's it's hitting you with, with rather standard flavors for an IPA. Mm-hmm. They're just you know more elevated a bit, and the alcohol level is through the roof. I mean, eleven percent is hot. Yeah, it's going to get you wasted, and it uh, to me, it's going to feel like a waste of sobriety. You know, I'd rather get wasted on something I'm really loving. If I got to drink eleven percent beer, I better love it. Uh, you know, to me, it's not about the money. It's about the sobriety, right? <laughs> right? And I'm feeling like I'm getting ripped off with this beer. I'm drinking too much alcohol for what I'm tasting. So I think it's, it's number four on both of our lists. Yep. Yep. Most likely. Yeah. You know, I think that's kind of be my list. Right the order there. we drank them in? Uh, yeah. Okay. As a matter of fact, the order we drank them so, in. So for people with failing memories, let's recap. All right. So we start with the Sly Fox Pilsner. I mean, 
Kenny Ranka Pilsner with these, well, Kenny Ranka single IPA with a It was pretty hoppy. I mean, yeah. you know, just tweak a little couple of things in the ingredient, put some more pale malt in there, take out some Pilsner malt, and you might not realize it's not some kind of IPA or APA. It's, it's, it's still a Pilsner. It's still a lager. You can still taste some of that lager-esque part of it. It's nice and drinkable. It's got a little bit of fruitiness to it. It's probably a really good bridge if you're looking for something that's... Hot summertime beer. Imagine drinking something that refreshing and fruity, you know, under the shade, out on the beach or something. I think that would go well. I think so, too. And then Avery's IPA. It was, it was a good, flavorful IPA. Yeah, the was, aroma didn't really match the flavor. Right. That's a negative to me. I mean, if you had an IPA that was the same like flavor as the aroma, then it would probably rank higher. But this Avery IPA was very good. Blue Dot. It was bitter. It had the rye. I mean, the, the rye was interesting, but I don't know if it really kind of fit in with what I was expecting. So I'm going to just put that third, even though, I mean, Hair of the Dog makes good beers, and it's not it's not negative. The Weyerbacher 11, though, it is kind of a negative to me. It's a little bit too much. So it's too much alcohol, not enough kind yeah, of that's, complexity. That's my main complaint about that is I'm feeling like I'm getting ripped off. I'm getting too much alcohol. And not enjoying the flavor enough right. on that one. And um, that will make me angrier than paying too much for a beer. Is getting ripped off on getting drunk on yeah. a beer. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure how many people feel that way. But, you know, I'm kind of upset that, you know, this 11% beer, <laughs> I'm drinking it and I'm not enjoying it that much. If it was 8%, I wouldn't be as angry. Yeah. No, no, that's, that, uh, that's a valid point. I think it's something that uh, beer people should listen to. I'm sure, you know, like we say... Weyerbacher has really impressed us of late, so they're listening. All right. Well, that's it for Craft Beer Radio. Next week, we're going to do the postponed Baltic Porter show, where we yep. do such great beers at Southampton, Imperial Porter, Heavyweights Percuno's Hammer, and Oak Aged Gonzo from Flying Dog Brewery. Yes. Exciting. Tune in next week. We'll be there. Will you? Question mark. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Find a place to go, but they never get the map.